This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As we always do, let's open the podcast by quoting a Chinese army general from 2,500 years ago. Sun Tzu famously said, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. At least I'm told he said that. I mean, I wasn't there. Were you? But the general is on to something. This season has been chaos to a very high degree. Why not embrace it, seize the opportunity to go ahead and win this division? Towards that end, the Mets took ah, three out of five in Washington Labor Day weekend. The opportunity is there. The podcast is here. Mets in the morning. Mets in See, we don't morning. always. Oh. oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. A scoodly down. See, we don't always quote Seinfeld off the top in this space. Sometimes we mix in a little Sun Tzu, just to keep you honest. The Mets spent Monday afternoon denying the Nationals chance after chance to get the big game-breaking hit. The Nats started out one of their first 14 with runners in scoring position, and that really helped. In the end, the Mets needed the Nationals to keep on failing. And just like that, uh, they failed to fail, and the Mets lost a really tough one. Josh Lewin with you. No, it's not perfect. The Mets had won 8 of 9. The Mets were looking at a Nationals team that had lost 8 of 9. You never want to get walked off by Carter Keyboom on a ground ball to short, but these things happen. We will get you the highlights, get you the breakdown, look ahead to Miami, but first let's talk about something good. I don't want you guys all surly off the top of the podcast. Lindor Baez-Pilar, the thumbs down three. All those guys, since that weird story became a thing, they've all been fantastic. Each man had two hits Monday to illustrate the point. Lindor on Saturday, first game of that doubleheader, prevented the biggest single-game collapse in the history of a franchise known for crazy collapses. He finished a three-hit, four-RBI game with a two-run homer in extra innings. Mets had blown a 9 nothing lead in that one. But yeah, their shortstop saved them from a wipeout that would have caused them a big-time issue. How much of that $341 million contract did he earn in that game? Baez, since the thumbs down to the fans affair, 8-for-24 with three home runs and OPS of 1,200 heading into Monday. When the Mets made Javi their most prominent addition at the deadline, a lot of people focused on what he doesn't do well. I'm in that group. Certainly one of his defining characteristics, his lack of plate discipline, leads the league in strikeouts for a reason. He has basically nine times as many strikeouts as walks. It's like watching a blindfolded child play pin the tail on the donkey sometimes. I get it. But Baez is also a two-time All-Star. He's a former National League MVP runner-up. His power rivals any Met this side of Pete Alonso. He's a reigning gold glove shortstop. He's a game changer with his speed and with his brain. So uh, I'm in on Baez lately, and same for Pilar. Needing to replace Brandon Nimmo now, since Nimmo hurt his hammy, and the Nimmo numbers cannot be replicated, I get it, not completely, but the ability to come up clutch, especially in extra innings where he's three for five with two home runs and eight runs batted in this year, 
That bodes very well for the Mets' chances when they get late and close. And Pilar's got experience. I mean, he's got 3,500 career at-bats in the big leagues under his belt, knows what he's doing. So I'm down with the whole Baez Pilar Lindor grouping right now. And to the game on Monday, working on Labor Day, a baseball tradition. Met starting Trevor Williams on the mound, a 0.69 ERA since his July 30th acquisition from the Cubs, that is, as a starter. Uh, I guess he'll always be the other guy in the Baez trade, which reminds me when the Mets traded R.A. Dickey to Toronto. We spent two years calling that the Travis Darno trade, as opposed to the Noah Syndergaard trade. We all assumed Darno would become the frontline Met and not Noah. For the Nationals on the mound, veteran lefty Patrick Corbin, 7-14, ERA in the sixes this year, 0-5 with a 9-1-1 ERA in his five home starts since the start of July. Syracuse native, whose dad and uncle worked for the old Hoffman Sausage Company back there. They say you don't want to see how sausage is made? Well, tough. The Corbin saw that five days a week. Corbin, the slider specialist. Mets not a team that hits that pitch well as a whole, but they were on him in this game. The Mets scoring a first-inning run for a fourth straight game. There was a stretch earlier this summer where they scored in one out of 24 first innings. In D.C., four for their last four. Pete Alonzo is a man who started the scoring with a bloop single to right that knocked in Lindor. Alonzo is a beast at Nationals Park on base his last 19 games in D.C., 450 OBP in that time. Washington would tie the game on a ground out in the bottom of the second, and the Mets would go ahead again in the fourth on a ground out by Jeff McNeil, actually a double play grounder, but a run did score, and the Mets led 2-1. to one. Bottom of the fourth, the newest on the down low Met killer, Lane Thomas, a single to left to score Luis Garcia. Lane Thomas had some Reed Johnson in him. That guy, the original that guy, like I used to say on the uh, on the radio broadcast, four different teams he was with, and he used to terrorize the Mets no matter which uniform he was wearing. Clutch base hits always would always come in with a batting average of like 218 at the time. It's one thing when Juan Soto is a Mets killer, but Lane Thomas. That, that would have been like back in the 70s. Instead of Willie Stargell beating the Mets every time in Pittsburgh, it, it would have been Rennie Stennett. Or in the 90s, the Mets getting beaten by Mark Lemke every time and not Chipper Jones. Anyway, 2-2 game, but Williams able to get out of it from there. And that was kind of the theme of this game for a while. If you've ever played the floor is lava as a kid, that's what Trevor Williams was doing. Hot floor, don't step on it. Use the couch, use a chair, climb on the fridge. But the floor is lava. Watch where you step. And the fancy stepping kept the tie in play long enough for someone in a visiting jersey to finally just let loose. And Pete Alonzo did exactly that. 0-1. He drives this ball in the air. Left center field. Way back. Hernandez at the wall. Leaps up. It's gone. Home run number 30. Pete Alonzo gives the Mets the lead. Driving one into the Mets bullpen in left center field. And the Mets are back on top. It's a 3-2 lead. And Alonzo, after just missing his 30th homer a few different times in this series, put plenty of launch angle on that one to get it out. And it's another home run allowed by Corbin and the Nationals as the Mets are back in front 3-2. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Career home run number 99 for the Polar Bear. That is a fine number. Taiwan Walker wears it. Turk Wendell wore it. That was the uh, final count of Luft Balloons, according to a German band. It's the number of bottles of beer on a wall. 
and the number of problems admitted to by Jay-Z, thankfully none of which were the B-word. 30 of those home runs this year for Alonzo. Famously, he had the the 50-plus his rookie year, so he's the first Met ever, just the 21st major leaguer ever, to homer 30 or more times twice in the first three years of one's career. And that BS shortened season last year is what kept him from going 3-for-3 as opposed to 2-for-3. Multiple 30 home run seasons by Mets. Mike Piazza had four of them. Daryl Strawberry had three. Howard Johnson is on the list of three-timers, as is Dave Kingman. The list of guys with two such seasons, David Wright, I would have guessed it was more. Carlos Delgado, I would have guessed it was more. Carlos Beltran, Todd Hundley, and now Alonzo with two of those. So, 3-2 Mets into the ninth. There were 23 hits in this game at that point, but only five runs. And some of that is because that Lindor and Baez defense we've been hearing so much about, it is indeed really good. Here's how the bottom of the eighth ended. Take a listen. Lugo trying to keep the lead. One ball, two strikes on Lane Thomas. Lugo ready, his pitch. Swing and a line drive up the middle. Baez knocks it down, picks it up, throws from his knee. It's in time at first. Thomas is out. A spectacular play. Javier Baez handling a line drive, smash up the middle, knocked it down, picked it up, and fired from his knees to first to get Thomas and end the inning. Thanks again to WCBS, and thanks to El Mago for keeping it 3-2. to two. To the ninth, Edwin Diaz, who had blown a lead to start this five-game series, immediately walked that pain in the butt, Alcides Escobar. But the most dangerous dude on the planet fouls out. Juan Soto, see you later. First pitch fastball, he was trying to crush it and win it with one swing. Instead, his second pop-out of the day. Looking good, Lewis. Feeling good, Billy Ray. But hold that thought. A seven-pitch walk earned by Josh Bell. And then Andrew Stevenson, another grain of sand in the Mets bathing suit. RBI single to tie it up. Which brings up Keyboom, who'd been failing in the clutch at every turn in this series. Here's what happened. 0-1, Stevenson's running. Keyboom, it's a ground ball up the middle, and Dork can't reach it. The game is over. Josh Bell scores. And the Nationals win the game 4-3. to Walk-off base hit for Carter Keyboom. That's exactly what I was just saying about Stevenson, that his speed could come into play from first. With him running on the play, Lindor could have easily tried to field that ball and then step on second to turn a double play and get out of the inning. But with Stevenson running, Lindor took his eye off it to see where Bell was to see if he had any chance. And as Lindor reached out for the ball, he couldn't get to it. It's a walk-off base hit for Carter Keboom and a devastating loss for the Mets. Carter Keboom's fourth chance with a runner at third and less than two out in this game. Seventh of the weekend and the first time he actually got the runner in. Amazing. After it was over, Edwin Diaz was man enough to meet the media. Hey, Edwin, you had been on uh, such a good roll there for a little while. Uh, what's What's been the difference of these last couple save attempts? You know, on, on Friday, I think I pitched on Friday, I, I, I thought I pitched really well, you know. I made a couple good pitches, you know, the sort of homer was up, so he got to beat me up opposite field. And today, I didn't command my pitches the way I want to, and couldn't command my slider low in the zone, you know. And that's, that's I get paid right there, I get hit. At what point, you know, do you realize that you don't have command of that pitch? You know, my fastball was running side to side today a little bit, so... When I'm running side to side, I, I miss, you know, like I'm side. So, you know, I got to command the fastball better. 
So that was my soul. Justin, your line's open. Hey, Edwin, in a stretch like this where you in September where you guys need to win every game, do you feel more pressure out there in a one-run game than you would, say, in a game in April or May? No, no, we don't, we don't feel pressure. You know, we're having fun here. We, we try to have fun every time, you know. It's part of the game, you know. We will win, we will lose, you know, that's part of the game. You know, we want to win every time, but, you know, that can happen. How much, um, after a loss like this, I know it just occurred, but how much do you start to think about the team's postseason chances when, when one kind of slips away like this? You know, we are happy here. We are together here. You know, we, we had a great series here. You know, we're now going to Miami to keep winning games and keep fighting for the player spot. Two blown saves for the usually elite Edwin Diaz in this series. So sad trombones instead of glorious trumpets, if we can explain this through the magic of brass instruments. We also heard from the manager after the fact. Here's Luis Rojas. Hey, Luis. What have you seen from Edwin these last two outings after he had gone on a really nice stretch there where it looked like he was, uh, he was locked in? Well, the uh, commands, you know, walks, are, walks have killed him, I think. He walked uh, Zimmerman um, a couple of nights, a couple of days ago, and then the, the two walks today once again. Uh, that mixed in with the one-two uh, mistake pitch, right, the slider that it was in, in the reach for Stevenson to read the the RBI single, uh, you know, those singles are going to happen and, and you are going to miss a spot when one pitch, but the walks, I thought, you know, those are the things that we saw in both outings that hurt them. With the situation you guys are in and, and time running short, are you a hundred percent committed to keeping, you know, Diaz in that closer spot here moving forward, or are you open to, to mixing it up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Edwin's done it uh, for us all year. Like, we're uh, not making drastic changes. I think the command is something that he can bounce back uh, from. He had a little stretch in the middle of the season where he was struggling with his command a little bit, uh, and then he bounced back and he and started uh, uh, throwing more strikes. So this is, you know, last two games uh, where, where he's done it. So he, for sure he can work on things like this. We have other guys throwing the ball well in the bullpen, um, and they can come in in high-leverage situations and keep the game close or up. For us, I mean, we trust our entire bullpen and, and everything as well. All right, thanks to the skipper, whose team is now back at 500, 69 and 69. Decorum, people, come on. Final line for Trevor Williams, five innings, 10 hits, but only two runs, two walks, three strikeouts. So in his three starts as a Met, it's now a 190-80 RA. That's fine. The Mets' bullpen was very good until the ninth. They got scoreless innings from Familia and Hand and Lugo, average of 12 pitches per inning. But Diaz... Two runs on two hits, two walks in a third of an inning. And the guy he got out was Soto. It's like being chosen for that promotional thing at halftime of a basketball game and hitting your half-court shot, hitting your three-pointer, hitting your free throw, but missing your layup. VR walked as we look at uh, the batting order here, but did not get a hit in this game. Lindor had two hits. Conforto took an 0 for 4, so he plops back down to a 220 batting average. Alonzo, the two hits, as we mentioned. Baez had two. Pilar had two. He's up to 229 now. McNeil had a hit. McCann had a hit. Even the pitcher, Trevor Williams, had a hit. But uh, it ended 4-3 to three for the wrong side. Since facing only the Marlins and Nationals, this little patch, the Mets had won 8 of 9. Now make it 8 of 10. And this one we will circle as the one that got away. They are four games back of Atlanta, still chasing Philly as well. Let's talk Philadelphia. 20 of the Phillies' final 23 games are going to be against terrible teams. So to me, they're the team to worry about even more than Atlanta, maybe, because of that fact. And the fact that Bryce Harbor, 
that signing now looks like a bargain at $300 million. He's got an OPS of 999 since the start of July. And it's funny thinking about the Phillies and free agency, spelled P-H-R-E-E agency, by the way. After the 1980 season, their owner then, Ruley Carpenter, hated the fact that Claude L. Washington was going to get four years and $3.2 million in Atlanta. Free agency is going to ruin this game, he said as he pounded his shoe on the desk or some such. Uh, and this is a man wh- whose team had just won their first World Series ever, but he wanted out because of the supposed ruination of the game that was just around the bend, all because of free agency. Ruley Carpenter sold the team for $30 million, having screamed publicly about how baseball is broken. The Phillies are now worth $2.1 billion, billion with a B. Boy, if I was a carpenter, ah, but then again, no. I'm glad the Phillies got Harper. I'm glad they're competitive. I'm glad they're in this thing. I'm glad the Braves are in it to win it. It all stokes the fires of that glorious chaos that Sun Tzu told us about back when his armies were rampaging through Asia in 500 BC. Embrace the chaos and the fact that it really is a three-team race now to grab the NL East title. 24 games to go, and I'm going to look at it through the reverse lens of what happened in 2007. The final two dozen games of that infamous season, 10 and 14. There were a pair of five-game losing streaks in there. And you guys know the story. I'm not going to do a long bit on this, but uh, they made history just not the way they wanted to. First team ever to be up by seven games with 17 to go and fail to make the playoffs. Biggest September collapse ever at the time, although a few years later the Red Sox and Braves gave it a run, crumble-wise. They needed to win the season's final day to stay alive. They sent out Tom Glavin, the veteran, and he had the second shortest outing of his 20-year career, one-third of an inning, seven runs allowed to the Marlins, who will have a a say in how this all finishes out. The Marlins are going to play these teams here quite a bit down the stretch. The Mets of 07, they stole 200 bases. They hit 275. They led the division for 159 days, but what undid it? was that starting rotation down the stretch had an ERA of 6.4. So, with the Phillies involved in all of this yet again, let's see if these Mets can reverse what happened in that final turn of the track 14 years ago. That all starts tomorrow with a three-game series in Miami, and the rotation cannot pitch to an ERA of 6.4 again. Towards that end, let's see what we have when today Carlos Carrasco gets out there still looking for his first win as a Met. He's up against the flamethrower Edward Cabrera, that is a 6.40 p.m. start tonight on SNY, of course, on radio on WCBS as well. Rich Hill will go to the post on Wednesday. And if you're an aging person, South Florida is where you want to be, right? Rich Hill will get the start against Sandy Alcantara. And then Thursday, Marcus Stroman against Jesus Lazardo. The Mets will then be back home to play the hated Yankees the weekend of September 11. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. You guys want to meet the band? We always do that at the end of uh, the podcast here, because why not? On keyboards, it is Frank Viola. Now, I know if, if we had, like, actual string section here, that that's where Viola belongs, I know. But that he, he's on keyboards. Slapping the bass, it's Jason Isringhausen. The horn section, it's Tom O'Malley. And banging it out on the drums, give it up for Craig Swan. Chin up, fellow Mets fan. These are the times that try men's souls. And if you go watch a track meet, the guys with the stopwatches, those are the souls that time men tries. This is Josh Lewin. Bad puns and dad jokes till I die. If I could fit that on a vanity license plate, I would. 
Take it easy, stay positive, despite the Monday final, which again was Washington 4 and the New York Mets 3. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.